0: All right, here's what we're doing tonight. We are diving back into our series. Who can tell me what the name of the series is? Oh, gosh, look at you guys watching the transition videos. So cool, so cool. So here's what we're going to do tonight. Um, this is uh, week four. Um, who can tell me what we talked about at any point during How to Wreck Your Life? Give me, give me some topics. What have we talked about? Insecurity. Lust. You, said you have to say it in a deep voice, I guess, apparently. Lust. Um, what else? Lying. What? Sin? We've, we talked about sin? Lying. Okay, lying. Lying. Okay, lying. Nice. Um, insecurity, lying, and lust. Ill is how you spell ill, I-L-L. Okay, so anyway, um, yeah, it's been a super cool, uh, four or three weeks as we've been in this series, um, and tonight we, co- we bring the series to a close, um, and we, uh, we wrap this thing up, how to wreck your life. Man, we talked about the very first week, um, how... We have these areas of our life, and just like Ethan said on the video, you guys know that's Ethan's voice, right? Don't rob a bank. That's my favorite line. Rob a bank. Um, but we have all these areas that we're like, dude, I know not to do that stuff. That stuff's going to jack me up. But what we don't think about is these small, seemingly insignificant areas that totally put us off track. Just like, um, in comparison, the rudder of a ship. Ship big, rudder small. Slight turn, you're completely off track. The, anybody ever ridden a horse? Horse is like giant, right? Um, and you put like this little metal bar in their mouth. I don't know if it would work on humans or not. We can try that later, I guess. Uh, I don't know with who. Never mind. Um, but you, you pull one way or the other, and this huge horse turns. I talked about like we, get, we got lost in Georgia, and we were on a road that looked like it was parallel, and then before we know it, we're in nothing, L.A.J., Georgia. We, we get involved in these small, small things that don't look on the outside like they cause any harm, but we get Days and weeks and months and years down the road and we're on a completely different path than we ever thought we'd be. The first week we jumped in, we talked about lying um, and we talked about, man, it's more than just I cheated on my test or I told my girlfriend or boyfriend something different or I told my parents I was going here and I really went here. We kind of talked about, man, if, you, if I say I'm a Christian but I live something contrary to that and to, a guy named C.S. Lewis said, man, out of 99 people, 100 will read the Christian and only one will read the Bible. We live lives in front of people. And if we live lives that are contrary to the gospel that we say we believe and we live out something different, man, our whole life is a lie. So we have to, we have to figure out, dude, is this what I really believe? Am I really going to live this out? The next what we talked about, <coughs> sorry, uh, we talked about insecurity. Uh, and we said, man, when we're insecure, when we don't have confidence, it, it one says, God, you messed up. God, you're not good enough. But it also says, I'm not good enough either. And that's completely contrary to what the Bible says. The Bible says you are created in the image of God. And the stuff and the junk that we are insecure about, God says, man, we don't have to be like that. Last week, uh, Scott dove in and, and talked about lust. And he said, what I love this quote, what fills your heart will lead your life. It's brilliant. What fills our heart will lead our life. Matthew 12, 34 says, out of the overflow of the heart, what we put inside our mouth will speak, what, what, we, what we send down into our heart at one point, at some point, is going to come up, and it's going to be what leads our life. This week we dive into um, another L word, uh, I don't know why we have one I word and only, and three L words, but anyway, um, we dive into a word, laziness, is how we end the series. Somebody tell me, can we define laziness? Shut up? Oh, okay, good, I thought it was like... If you do this, man, what a jerk. I can't see any hands, so just kind of don't yell at me. But Lack of, Lack of motivation. I'm digging that. What else? What else? Laziness. That's it. Lack of motivation. Nice. Does anybody know any lazy people? Do you hate lazy people? I'm just kidding. Don't hate them. Um, laziness. Here's how Webster defines it. Here's how Webster defines laziness. Unwilling to work or use energy characterized by a lack of effort or activity. One more time. I need to do things twice. Unwilling to work or use energy, characterized by a lack of effort or activity. So every week we've been uh, looking at the Proverbs um, and seeing what Proverbs... Proverbs is this book in the Old Testament that's full of wisdom. It's, it's the, the wisest guy who ever lived. Um, his name was Solomon, and he wrote all these things... Um, all these wise sayings and all these Proverbs that we can live by, that we can put in our life, and directly apply. It's, it's one of those books in the Bible where you're like, what does that mean? You're never like that in Proverbs. You always know exactly what he's talking about. And it's very practical wisdom for everyday life. I want to read you just a couple, couple things about what Proverbs says about laziness. Um, proverbs twenty six fourteen 14 says, um, sluggard is our word for laziness, okay? So sluggard. Can we all say that together? One, two, three sluggard okay cool sluggard means lazy uh slothful something like that okay so here's we go uh proverbs twenty six fourteen. 14 as the door turns on its hinges so a sluggard turns in his bed have you ever done that like i'm not saying we're sluggards but have you ever been like one of those situations where it's like man no matter how many times i hit the snooze button like it always comes too soon and i never want to get out of bed that's what it's saying like consistently the sluggard the lazy person the slothful person a door opens and closes on the same hinges every time. A lazy person turns in their bed like that. Um, where did the other one go? There it is. Um, I love this one. Proverbs nineteen twenty four. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it to his mouth. How lazy is that? Does that make sense? So, like, say we're at. I, I think about eating spaghetti with my hands. Never. I don't know when the last time I did that was. It's probably been a while. Um, so pretend you have this huge plate of, plate of spaghetti, and you stick your hand in this plate of spaghetti. Like it says, this person is so lazy, they won't even like feed themselves. It's like, they just stick their hand in spaghetti, and then I guess you leave it there. I don't know if you carry the spaghetti with you, or you just fall asleep like on the thing with spaghetti. You ever done that? Like seen like, I love like little kids. I think it's the greatest thing. Like, like mid-bite, mid they just like pass out. Like, it's like they're just eating, like, I don't know, their squashed eggs and ham. I don't know how they make baby food. Yeah, it's disgusting, you know. I don't know. I've never had squashed eggs and ham in baby containers. Gerber. Um, but they just, like, fall asleep in a I, I feel like that's what, um, what a slugger would do. There's, there's one more here. Um, I read that one already. Where'd it go? Man, hold on. I can't find it. There it is. Okay, um... I pass by the sluggard's house, and I pass by the vineyard of a lacking man. That one might be kind of abstract. Um, It it says, like, there's this huge house in front of this guy's. There's this huge field in front of this guy's house. And because he's so lazy, he never does anything with his field. And because he never does anything with his field, he never reaps a harvest. He never um, becomes active in in what's going on. So I was thinking about, like, okay, laziness. Um, I had this one friend who was always lazy, but I didn't want to, like, pick on him. Um, I'm picking on one of my friends. Uh, but I didn't want to pick on this guy because he's, I don't know, he's really lazy. And I feel like he'd, he'd like be really offended because he doesn't know he's lazy, I guess. I'm not sure. Okay, so I was thinking about, like, animal kingdom, um, things that are lazy. Anybody got any ideas on animals that are lazy? So, gosh, everybody picked the same one. Okay, what? Lions, but I'm not going to tell a lion it's lazy. I i, I totally agree, like, lions like um, just totally, like, hang out, like, all day. But we were in Africa, like, two years ago. And, uh, and a lion roared, and I'm pretty sure I pooped in my pants. Like, like, seriously, it's the scariest noise I've ever heard in my life. Like, this lion is like it's like 18-year-old lion, and me and Ben are standing beside each other. And this lion's on all fours, and it's like looking at me and Ben straight in the eye. And I'm like, dude, you are the ultimate predator. And, I mean, I wouldn't even try to... I'd push Ben down, and then I'd try to run. Um, that's kind of mean. Don't tell Ben I said that. Um, so, anyway uh, sloth for sure. I wrote down some facts about sloths. Um, a sloth can sleep, uh, for 20 hours in a day. (laughs) Jamie's been there (laughs) 20 hours a day. All right. Um, when a sloth is not sleeping, all it does is eat. Um, and sometimes it climbs like people say there's one, um, sometimes a sloth will stay in a tree for months at a time. Like it, it won't come down from the tree at all. Uh, I've got a picture, not not the close-up picture, but the other picture. Um, sloths move so little that tree moss actually starts to grow on them. Can I walk? Like I don't know if you can see that, but like it's like chest is green. Like you, wow, um, they move so little. Like fungus starts to grow on tree moss. I mean, on yeah, <laughs> fungus starts to grow on that's like that's like never moving. Um, so I was thinking about I was I was eating lunch with my friend today, and he's like, yeah. When I, used to, when, I was, when I was a little kid, my mom, uh, she used to call me uh, Sloth. <laughs> so mean. Like, moms are supposed to love you, not call you Sloth. Um, so go to the first picture. Go to the first picture. Okay. So this is, this is not my friend. Um, this is a Sloth. I'm not sure what his name is. But so at, when we were eating lunch, I was like, you know, I can kind of see it. Like, I can kind of see that you look like a Sloth. Um, so go ahead and put my friend up here who I think could be a Sloth. <laughs> <laughs> I love Photoshop. <laughs> like, can we just stare at that for a minute? <laughs> How awesome is that? That's just great. I want to put that as my Facebook profile picture. It's perfect. Um, that's my buddy Ethan, if you guys don't know him. he Apparently his mom used to make fun of him. So I'm going to send that to her in the mail. Um, so Sloth, this idea of of not doing anything. Can we take that off the screen? I'm going like, to look at that all day. Um, hold on, I, just leave it there. So here's what we have said the whole series. I can see it in the mirror. Yes, hi. <laughs> um, we've been saying this, this sentence, this phrase, this statement, all series. I want you to write it on the top of your paper. This is the last time we'll say it. Um, I don't know if you remember it or not. Here we go. Um, can we go to that statement, please? A relationship with... Is it there? There it is. A relationship with Jesus transforms every area of my life a relationship with jesus transforms every area of my life type that in your iphone write that in your journal stick it somewhere else if you don't have either one of those with you um (coughs) write it on your hand or on your friend's neck if they fell asleep if they're slothful if it's ethan (laughs) i don't know if he's he's probably downstairs i hate that he missed it um a relationship with Jesus transforms every area of my life. Transform is this word that, that's more than just a slight variation. Transform is this word that's not just a minor change. Transform is this word that means dramatic or drastic, like, like this change that it's, it's undeniable. A relationship with Jesus isn't like an upgrade. A relationship with Jesus isn't when the new iPhone firmware comes out. A relationship with Jesus isn't when you put like new tires on your car. A relationship with Jesus is something that completely transforms, completely reshapes, drastically and dramatically changes every area of your life. It changes the way I talk to people. And if if I live truth or not, it changes how I feel about insecurity. It changes the way I look at people. Every single area of my life, the Bible says, is affected. Every single area of my life is reborn, is began anew, begun anew, started over, um, when, when we come into a relationship with Jesus. So I wanna, tonight, I want to look at um, maybe the varied uh, responses, the various ways we could look at um, this idea of laziness. Um, I feel like for guys and girls, it's completely different, um, as is everything in life. Um, guys, how, how are we lazy? What do we do if, if we're lazy? If we're just wasting time, if we're just killing time, what are we doing? Eating, I like that. What else? What else are we doing just to kill time, waste time? Sleeping, okay. Anything else? Video games. The TV, yes. The immortal killer of time. So, what? Facebook? Think, okay, girls. Is, is it that much different to girls? Do girls eat to waste time? Okay. So, everybody eats to waste time. I love that. Um, what else? What do girls do to waste time? Sleep. Okay, how do girls replace video games? What? Hair? Girl, girls read books. Boys, you'll learn to read. It's, it's called college. Um, it, it'll be a great time for you guys. So girls read books and go go talk. Yeah, boys don't talk. Like it's funny. If, like the when we have like the guys hangouts. Like seriously, if we like pull out a video game thing, you don't have to be playing. It's like it's like two players. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we have like ten or fifteen guys there, and like everybody's just watching. Nobody says a word. Like somebody's got like ice cream. In the corner, like somebody's got Cheetos and somebody's eating Cheetos because they're like sitting—not Cheetos and ice cream—and they're just like, "Oh, (laughs) ooh!" Like, seriously, we don't say anything, and I feel like it's drastically different Um, with girls. Here's what I feel like is so crazy with the sloth, or with Ethan, but mostly the sloth. I'm just kidding. I'm sure he does things, and I I like to see Ethan hang upside down in a tree. (laughs) I'll Photoshop that picture next week. Here's what I feel like we do. The sloth is stuck in this tree, sleeping and eating, wasting its life. The world is going on all around it, and it's just not involved. So little is it involved that tree moss starts to grow on it. So little is it involved that it sometimes never comes out of a tree for months or maybe even a year. It's not concerned with what's going on. It's completely inactive. I feel like if we redefine these words um, the opposite of, of laziness. Anybody know what the antonym of laziness is? Non. No, great, great job, great. Non-laziness. Um, it's. I, I, I didn't know this either. I was trying to think of. Init. In, I don't know. Um, industrious. Nice. Industrious. Um, industrious means diligent, hardworking. Also, see busy. That's what Webster said. Um, industrious, hardworking, diligent. Somebody that knows what they want, that knows their goals and goes for it. I feel like that's the complete opposite of a sloth. I mean, I guess it might just want to sleep and eat, but it's wasting its whole life. I feel like sometimes we get so wrapped up in, oh, I went to school, now I just go home and veg for a while. Um, or I, I just want to go do this, man, I just want to play video games for a while. Man, I just want to talk, I just want to shop, I just want to sleep, I just want to eat. Um, and all the while, I'm not saying you guys do this all the time, but I feel like it's kind of this thing that just eats on us. This idea of, I think if we redefined it not said lazy and industrious. I don't feel like those are, I mean, we use lazy, but when's the last time you used industrious in a sentence that wasn't history class? I feel like if we redefined it, we could say active and passive. I'm active or I'm passive. I feel like a sloth's whole life is passive. It's it's in the world, um, it's in its tree, it's hanging out in its forest or jungle, sloths live in jungle. I'm not sure the... Where they live exactly? All over the place, maybe? I've never seen one. So, not America. Um, I feel like they're passive. Man, life is happening all around them, they just don't want to engage. I feel like what the Bible calls us to is completely different than that. The Bible doesn't say, man, just, just veg. Just, like, enter this relationship with God and then back off. Just, just kind of pull back. Here, here's the reality God wants to do something incredible with your life and my life. But God is not going to do that if we want to sit on the bench or if we don't even want to get in the game. God doesn't act, ask us, God doesn't tell us to be passive people. God is actively at work in the world, and He wants you to be actively involved in that same thing. We have millions of things that can waste our time, but we can't just sit by. We must be active all throughout the Bible. There's story after story of people that, that could have just done, done their thing. Um, I mean, you look at it in the front of the Bible. You look at Abraham. Um, Abraham has a life set up. He's got his family, and then God comes, and God totally interrupts his life. Abraham could totally chill. He's got all the stuff he needs. He could just step back and be passive, but God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you to go. And Abraham's like, oh, cool, God, where do you want to go? I don't know. I'll tell you when you get there. So Abraham picks up everything he has and he takes off, because God came and asked Abraham to be an active part of what he did. God says to Abraham, you, you are going to be the father of every nation. This is before there's any nations. God comes to Abraham and says, man, I'm going to do something incredible in your life. Don't just sit back. Don't just let it happen to you. You go on just a little further in the Bible. There's a dude named Moses, right? Uh, Moses grows up after the whole river basket thing. I do baskets float? That's weird to me, because um, I tried to float in a basket once, and it didn't work. Uh, So Moses is chilling in the river. Um, Pharaoh picks him up, or I guess Pharaoh's wife picks him up. Um, Moses grows up as the prince of Egypt. You know, you guys have seen the movie. Um, And then God interrupts. And Moses could have totally said, like, dude, I've got it all set up. I'm going to be, like, high up the rest of my life. I'm going to have everything I want. I got all the money. I got all the goods. I got the, whatever the iPod of ancient Egypt was. I got a couple of those and all the friends. And I probably know... Justin Bieber of Egypt. I don't know what his name would be. I'm trying to think of something clever, but got nothing. Um, I got it all set up, and God comes and interrupts Moses' life. And his life's forever changed because he doesn't just sit back and become passive. He gets actively involved in this God that's busy, that's industrious, in changing the face of the world. The New Testament, the disciples. Jesus comes on the scene. Um, And he begins, like, this three-year ministry that he does in the New Testament. And Jesus comes to the disciples. They're all doing stuff. Like, nobody's just, like, hanging out. They have lives, and, and they're busy doing stuff. And Jesus comes up to these guys and says, hey, stop what you're doing. Drop your nets. Don't be a tax collector anymore. Come follow me. Dude, they got it set up. They can just step back. Be passive for a while. Chill out, hang out. They got life set up where they're at. Jesus comes and he invites them to something much different. He invites them again to being actively a part of changing the world. And I feel like we sell ourselves too short. I feel like we don't, we don't see that dude, every single seat in here that's filled by somebody, you can change the world. Like God wants to use you in a huge way. He's writing this huge story that started in this book, and is going till today, and will go till tomorrow, and will go long past the time that we're here. But we sell ourselves too short. And if I could just be a little bit better than, than this guy, if I could just do a little bit better than my brother or sister, man, if I could just do a little bit better than my parents, if I could just get into this school or that school, and man, all that stuff is great. Don't sell yourself short, because don't take a backseat to someone else's dream. Don't just be a part of someone that's, that's reading stories, that's that's, on the, that's at the game Watching cool stuff happen. Dude, participate. Don't be passive. Be actively involved. There's a guy named Paul, if you go on just a little bit further in the New Testament. This guy is set up. Um, once again, like, like all these stories, this guy is set up. He's like um, one of the head officials of the church. Um, he's like going through town. Everybody knows about this guy, Paul, Saul, uh, at this time. Um, everybody knows about this guy, Saul. And he's on his way to this other town to kill some more Christians to take him and put him in prison or kill him whatever he wants to do with him everybody knows and respects this guy named Saul like he's he's an elite person in that society and he meets Jesus and he gets his life interrupted and no longer can he just be doing his own thing he becomes actively involved in what God's doing Here's why we have to be actively involved. Because 2,000 years ago, longer longer ago than that, the beginning of this whole thing, way before um, all of us, God looks out on his creation. And he says, they need a relationship with me. They can't do it on their own. They can't get to me by themselves. There's this huge gap because of what Adam and Eve, like our first parents, what they did. Sin enters the world and there's this gap. There's this line in the sand between us and God. There's this huge, huge gap between us and God. And God just didn't sit back passive. Creator of the universe. Does whatever he wants. There's a Bible verse that says that. Our God is in heaven. He does what pleases him. Here's what pleases him. Not sitting back and watching. Not just pulling up in his big, like God-sized lazy boy with his like super buttery popcorn, and watching it play out. God says, I have to do something. So 2,000 years ago, his son, Jesus, enters the world. Becomes an active part of the lives that you and I live today. Hebrews talks about, we don't have a, a high priest, we don't have a savior who's far from us, or who, who doesn't know the things that we faced. Because the Bible says, Jesus went through the things that we faced. Maybe not exactly, but he went through um, that type of thing. The stuff that we face, the sin, the temptation, all that junk. Jesus went through that. God actively became a part of creation. God's pursuit of us is incredible. Tonight, we can't be, um, I guess you can be if you want. Um, Tonight, there's no reason for us to be a sloth. There's no reason for us to sit in our schools, in our jobs, in our families, and just be normal. There's no reason that we should watch the world spin by, the world pass by us, because God has called us to something greater. God has now called us, because of Jesus' active pursuit of us, he's now called us to actively be a part of changing the world. I want to read you this passage. Um, If you have your Bibles, it's in Acts chapter 17. Um, it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It's so cool. It's about this guy named Saul. Um, Saul meets Jesus and uh, changes his name to Paul. Um, God changes his name to Paul. Um, And if you're holding a Bible in your hand, uh, 16 of the books near the end he wrote. He goes from this killer of Christians um, to this church planner, writer, theologian, baller. Here's what it says. Um, Acts 17, um, I'm going to read you uh, verses five and six. So here's what's happening. Paul uh, met up with his buddy Silas, and they're going around to all these different cities, um, preaching about the kingdom of God, telling people about Jesus and how they can be rescued, how they can um, become an active part of the kingdom of God. So here's what it says. But the Jewish leaders, oh, yeah, and this, uh, all the Jewish leaders, all like the, the people that Saul used to be, they're ticked, man. They're like so angry. Um, and they keep trying to find ways, just like they killed Jesus. Um, they keep trying to find ways to kill anybody who's associated with this thing. At this time, uh, the church is called The Way. And so they're trying to find a way to pin this guy to the wall. Um, it says, but the Jewish leaders were jealous. So they gathered some, wor- some worthless fellows. I love how that's included in the Bible. Like, oh, cool, yeah, I'm in the Bible. Who are you? I'm the worthless fellow. Um, so so they gather some worthless fellows from the streets to form a mob and start a riot good church people right hey worthless fellow come here join our mob cool (laughs) um and start a mob and they start a riot they attacked the home of jason jason was kind of harboring um paul inside he was one of their good friends um where'd it go there it is um Okay. They attacked the home of J- Jason, searching for Paul and Silas so they could drag them out into the crowd. That sounds like a great time. Drag them out into the crowd of riotous people who are not good fellows. Um, so here's verse 6. Not finding them there, they dragged Jason instead. Guilty by association. Not cool for Jason. Um, finding, not finding them there, they dragged Jason out of the house um, and some other believers. Instead, they took them before the city council. So instead of Paul and Silas, they took Jason and his friends before the believers. And he, here's here's... This is everything. This is it right here. This is who we are. This is Paul and Silas, um, completely changed people. They took Jason and his buddies before the city council. And here's what they say. Paul and Silas have turned the rest of the world upside down. And now they're here disturbing our city. Paul and Silas have turned the rest of the world upside down. And now they're here disturbing our city. Just by these guys coming, everybody in the city knows. These city officials are ticked off because they know who Paul and Silas are. More importantly, they know who Paul and Silas are serving. And they say about these two guys, very normal guys who at one point had a passive seat, who at one point were just lazy, sitting back, doing their own thing. A couple chapters later, it says they are guys. They're people that turn the world upside down. Here's why. We covered this uh, three, four weeks ago now. Here's why Paul and Silas turned the world upside down. Here's why they're different. Here's how they're actively a part of the kingdom of God. Instead of lying, instead of doing what everybody else is doing in that day, they're people of truth. They're people you can count on that know the real truth, who God is and how we can be a part of his story. They're not insecure. They're confident not overly confident, like arrogant. They're confident in who God has made them to be and what he's called them to do. You don't risk your life for arrogance. You risk your life and you give up your life like these guys would eventually do because you know the message that God's given you. They have confidence in who Christ has made them to be. They're not just doing the, the, the normal thing of the day. They're living pure lives before God. They're not caught up in lust and all the junk that's going on. They're living pure and holy lives before God, and they're not lazy. They're not taking a back seat. To be someone that turns the world upside down, you have to be in it. You have to be active. You have to be going after something that's bigger than yourself. Closing, I want to talk about three songs. Um, I feel like songs or messages or sermons that we remember, um, because I don't remember everything everybody says, but I can remember songs from when I was really little. I want want to look at three songs that I feel like talk about this pursuit, this being active, not passive in the kingdom of God. The first one we sang tonight, um, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, Your love never fails. The verse just says, nothing can separate even if I ran away. God, your love never fails. Communicates a passionate pursuit. God pursuing us. When we run away, God runs even faster. The beautiful part about the God that we serve, about Christianity, is that when we link up with God, when we say, God, I turn my life over to you, God grabs on, and no matter how many times I let go, he's not letting go. No matter how many times I try to run away, God runs faster. God's pursuit of me, this is beautiful, God's pursuit of me is so much greater than my pursuit of him. Nothing can separate us. Because God's pursuit, because God's active role in pursuing his children, in loving his children, nothing can separate us. I hope next time we sing that song, when we sing that line, that's what you think about. God's active and he wants me to be active here. We sing a song called Hosanna. Um, It says, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Here's what breaks God's heart. Billions of people. 6.2 on the globe right now, and a lot of them don't know it. And so 2,000 years ago, he sends his son because his heart is broken. And he says, man, I want a relationship with you. I want a relationship with the guys and the girls in the room at refuge right now. And God's an active pursuer of us. God, would you break our hearts for what breaks yours? And God, would you, would you teach us? Would you help us? Would you give us eyes to see people like you see people? Because the people you walk by in your halls, at your job, um, at school, in your house, the people you walk by, this, this is crazy, are people that Jesus died for. And we don't think about that sometimes. Because our hearts aren't broken for the lostness of our city, the lostness of our friends and our family. God, would you break our heart? Because at one point, your heart was broken, and you did something about it. You didn't sit back. You were active. Third song. I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way he loves us. Here's what I know. In a room like this, there's a bunch of us who week one, we lie. Who week two, we are insecure. We're not confident. Who week three, we are involved in all kind of junk. We've screwed up our purity. Tonight we have a bunch of people who are just sitting on the bench. But God, actively pursuing you. And tonight, we don't have time to hang on to the stuff that we've been living in. We don't have time anymore to just sit and have a pity party with ourselves. Because tonight, God, the God of the universe, desires to wipe your slate clean and not just make you a better person, to make you somebody that turns the world upside down. To make you someone that's so in love with him that when you see people, you realize, and my heart's broken. People that realize that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And no matter what I've done, because of what Jesus did for me, I can be clean. I can be new. I mean, we've got there's a million small ways that we can wreck our lives. But if we choose to follow Christ, We can live for something that way outlasts us. We can be people just like Paul and Silas who change the world. There's two guys, and 2,000 years later, we're reading about them right now. And in this building, there's 100 more students who can turn the world upside down. But it takes us getting off, um, we're high school kids, right? I guess you could say this, I don't know. It takes us getting off our butt and doing something that really matters. I feel like sometimes we, we overthink or we over-spiritualize uh, the things that we do. Man, if I don't pick the right college, God is not going to bless me anymore. If I don't um, date the right person, if I don't play the right sports, if I, if I don't do this or this, and we put ourselves in these boxes where, okay, God, if I, if I move at all, I'm totally going to mess everything up. What? Think about it differently. What if God gave you the talents that he gave you? What if God made you an athlete? If he made you super intellectual? If God made you artistic? Um, if God made you great at whatever you're great at so that you could turn the world upside down. But if we just sit back and live in the lives that, that are comfortable, if we just sit back and hit the cruise control, we're going to miss out on so much that God has for us. Let me pray for us real quick. God, we say thank you for tonight. Um, God, I pray that you would take the words that I've spoken, um, and God, you would transform people. God, my words aren't any good, but what you have to say to our hearts is huge. And so, God, as we break up into small groups, would we have meaningful conversation? And could you break through the hardness and the junk and the stuff inside us and transform our lives? God, I thank you for every student here. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.